0: Happy Halloween, trick-or-treaters, dreamers, campers, and suspects. What you're about to hear is a clip from our spooktacular Patreon episode in which your Halloweenies rank every score in the Halloween franchise. The gang was once again joined by J. Blake Fischera, author of Scored to Death and Scored to Death 2, who brought incredible insights into the minds behind the music. How do you hear the full thing? Become a member of our Patreon, The Rewind. You can find a link in the description of this episode, or you can visit www.patreon.com slash Halloweeniespod. Hope to see you there so we can give you one
1: more scare. And my number two is Halloween 2018, which means it is time to talk about it. Uh, Let's Mike, why don't you kick this one off? And of course, now we're getting into the return of Carpenter after a while, but also accompanied by uh, Daniel Davies, the son of a son of a kink. And then Cody Carpenter, who's the son of a carpenter. So yeah, Mike, what is your, cause you, you are not the biggest 2018 fan, but uh, you love the music for it.
0: Love the score. Uh, I mean, John Carpenter is my favorite artist and I, I, I mean, it's 0.05% uh, fandom on uh, on Spotify, which I, I wear with a badge of honor right next to my Hall- Haddonfield Huskers uh, age. But I, I mean, out of all the things that to say about that, that movie, I mean, you, I really just think the score is just phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's ferocious, it's muscular it's triumphant as he titles the last track, uh, you know, on the soundtrack. Um, I feel like this was kind of his big return and you really felt it. I think this also arrived at a time when like Carpenter is just really grooving into this, this interesting career for himself. I've always felt that Carpenter really wanted to be a rock star and he kind of feels it in this era. You know, you watch those shows when he did, uh, you know, the lost themes show. And also when he was doing like the anthology release and stuff at, He's all in. I mean, if he fucking played Primavera, like, that's a huge deal. And so, like, you know, he's getting to be this musician in a way that he never really got to be before. And so I think there's a kind of swagger to it. So I think by the time he gets to Halloween, it he kind of, you know, ble- leans into that a little bit. Like, when I when I interviewed for, because we didn't named him the Composer of the Year in my previous site that I used to work for, um and uh, and I talked to him about it. I was like, you know, this last track, Halloween Triumphant, you can play this at like, you know, like EDM festivals. And I imagine people are going to go nuts. And he's like, oh yeah, no, people love dancing to it. I think it's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, I heard like, from from people <laughs> who were at Primavera, no joke, that they played it and then people were like like raving to it. Is that, that, is they, that true? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's well, true. Well, I was watching
0: the live feed in the office for it. And like, I just remember being like, yeah, he's killing it. Like he's really owning it. And I just... I don't know. I, I think that, that that sort of, you feel it in a way. It's just fun seeing, like, in terms of all the returning faces in Halloween 2018, it was Carpenter, the one that made me smile the most because it was just like, first off, I never thought this would ever happen. And then, well, I, which is, yeah, especially at that capacity of, of, like, doing, like, the actual compositions and stuff. And for him to come back, I feel like he, he gave it in a way that was beyond just getting a check and, and walking away with which we were joke about you know so
1: oh yeah no 100 one and it's funny too because even though this isn't no, like number you know like number one for me um but number two i i feel like this is actually the halloween soundtrack that i listened to the most as an album like not even thinking about what happened in the movie and i think that's because yeah it has the familiar themes we can you know latch on to with some beefed up instrumentation but it also has some new themes for me that actually are becoming just as prevalent i I and maybe it's just being so stoked to see Halloween in theaters but I still remember the Universal logo showing and just that kind of wind can thing. The, yeah. ooh, that to me just puts me in the mood and creeps me out. One of my favorite tracks, I mean, you mentioned Howling Triumphant, but also the the grind, which is where they're below the, the fake counter and Michael's trying to rip it off. And it's not a sound effect, but they're kind of syncing up the music cue with him ripping this kitchen island off of its axle. And it's just this, and it keeps crescendoing like, and I, it's such it's just such a good marriage of, of sound and image for me. And I, I keep coming back to it in a way that I feel like is actually totally separate from the 1978 original. Who had this one next? Yeah, Mac, what, what was this? Wait, where was this Blake? No, Blake, Blake had it next, I think, uh, uh down the list. Well, well, yes, yeah, we talked a lot about Howard, but what are your feelings about Carpenter and his new, uh, musical collaborators from the past few years?
2: Well, I, I really like it. I mean, I think, uh, it's very listenable. Uh, I think it's it's obviously like Mike was saying it's exciting that he came back to do it. I think the addition to of Cody and Daniel uh are great because I think they are able to fill in blanks. I mean let's face it John is a he's a limited musician and he would be the first one and has been the first <laughs> the first one to admit it in interviews as he you know he's in, as as like, I you know, I talked to him for my first book before the introduction of the idea that even Lost Themes was coming out, and then I interviewed him again because the book wasn't out yet by the time it came out. And I just think they're I just think it's a great kind of musical marriage, the three of them, because I think Cody's a really talented keyboard player, and when you listen to a cue like the Shape Hans Allison, like there's no way Carpenter even wrote that cue. I mean, that's like all Cody, and that's become one of my favorite cues of the whole series. And I love that like there's a different Laurie's theme in this movie that. that that sounds so creep show to me <laughs> that, that that I kind of I just like that I like in this case I like that it's you know you have all the familiar you have like the familiar themes but I also love that they're not precious with them that they branch out from them <clears throat> I mean unlike Mike I I like uh, guitar but in this in this instance like I love more of like the weird slide totally. Yeah. like meat that Daniel does more than, you know, playing note for note stuff. Uh, I just think it's really listenable. And I just think that it's it. And I, I should preface this that like the 2018 Halloween movie is like one of my least favorite Halloween movies. <laughs> You're in good company. Whoa. You are in very good company. Not with me, but with these two, <laughs> I really, do, I really dislike that movie a lot, but it's a it's got a great score in my opinion. And, um, just a big fan of it.
1: Yeah, no, it's funny. I, I I forgot that we haven't heard your thoughts on Halloween or I I would love to hear thoughts on Halloween kills once we get to that one too. So um, we'll do that. So next on the list, Mac, you had this at, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, why do you hate this score so much? Mac? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. kidding.
3: No, um, it's funny because I really don't (laughs) like this movie and I think, because of that, I stayed, I really stayed away from the score and listening or re-listening to the score because for a long time I just felt like it was putting a bad taste in my mouth. But revisiting it for, to do this and also having just seen Halloween Kills and listening to that score, which I like as well, I kind of was, you know, I kind of got over that. and was just kind of, okay, just listening to it as like spooky season music, essentially, right? And. I agree. I, 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 there are themes in there that are kind of playing with old themes, but it, it it is branching off. I appreciate that time has passed. So it's kind of, I like that there's new stuff, you know, that they're not just, just doing the old stuff. It could have just been that being a direct sequel, you know, and it is, it is very listenable. It is, it's just very, very chill. And, but also bringing on these two guys essentially to fill in the gaps, like Blake was saying, it work. It, it makes what could feel dated does not because those guys b- usher it into this era, you know? So it's like bringing Carpenter who you still have that great, all that stuff you love and all those kinds of themes that you love from, you know, from him, from that, from the eighties or whatever, and it still feels like that, but it's their the way that they have, have uh, uh, written this, you know, and, and, and brought it, brought it into the present doesn't feel forced. It feels natural and it feels like a really solid score. I mean, I just, it's really nice to listen to. So that's why it's
1: so high on my list. And,
3: but I ne- would never have thought that
1: because I yeah. didn't like the movie at all. It does seem like people are, are, it feels like it is universally loved no matter if you like the movie or not. Yeah. Blake, what were you going to say?
2: I was just going to say, I mean, it's clear that he is more creatively collaborative with yeah. them. Than he is with anybody else he's worked with, uh, and I think the scores he does does with them is, benefits from that. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, I mean Alan in association with it, Alan gets more creative control as as the scores go on, um, and uh, you know Dan Wyman and then you know I would say Jim Lee. Uh, what's it, Jim Lee? What's the what's I forget the guy's name. It did in the mouth and. Uh, body bags i think that was a, a much more similar situation whereas he is also much more of a collaborative uh artist with john on on those two scores but i just think it's interesting like i don't think you know think of carpenter and i think it would ha- it would take like his son and like this kid that he considers his godson to be able to have him open up and allow that much creative control. And it's also that he didn't direct the movie, too, I think has something to do with that. I just think there's something to the fact that he's probably not as precious with this score as he is with his other scores. And so the fact that you get like this triad of creativity happening, I think, is uh, makes for just for a really interesting listen, and I think is one of the reasons why people are responding to it. Totally. Well, hey, it's like H2O says, blood is thicker than water. You know what I mean?
0: Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough.